It's time. Time to musk up. First develop, first develop. That doesn't make sense. Well, you know anything about computers? We must be cautious. James and Chris. The keyboard cowboys. Welcome to Salted Bites. James, getting set up like this has brought back some fond memories and also makes me realise that I am faintly useless when it comes to setting up <laughs> AV equipment. Um, it's been too long. It's quite, hum- it's, it's quite humbling in a way, isn't it? It is. Um, it's also nice to remind yourself that just because you're a programmer doesn't mean that you know everything about computers. It'd just be nice if family members knew that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, but then you do that one thing. You manage to get the TV to connect to the local network, which streams the video that you downloaded to your other PC. And the rest of your family is looking at you like you're a wizard. Yeah. And you can't ever come down from that high. You can't. Yeah, but you, you want know? to, though. Because now, I, I, so I have to set this issue with Ella's mum. I am the go-to fucking IT consultant. It drives me mental. Oh, can you look at my phone? Oh, it's got more viruses on it. Stop fucking clicking on things then. <laughs> it's like, it's incredible. You see her phone. I'm surprised it's not on fire. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> hey, James. Um, the title of this um, podcast, I don't know if you, I don't know if you like it. I, I, I decided that we should, um, we should call it um, What the Fuck Just Happened. Or no, actually, scratch that. Code in the time of COVID. Nice. Very, yeah, very nice. Did a bit of a literary, literary allusion there to Love in the Time of Cholera yeah. by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Like it. Classic, classic literature there. Not read it. Um, Not much of a reader myself. It is weird as, as fuck. Is I, it? I would, I would, yeah, you know, I would... Pour yourself a, a stiff uh, soft drink and and, <laughs> <laughs> and get ready for a mind-bending journey uh, of, of, of craziness. It's got this kind of magical realism ah. um, element to it. So the story will be very character-driven and very personal. And then something really magical and weird will happen. And that's kind of a lot like software development. Oh, nice segue. I like it. So good. Yeah. You haven't lost your touch there, Chris. I really haven't. I've Even been practicing. Though it's almost been two years. It has. It's nearly been two, two, well, coming up on two years since we last recorded an episode. If you listen back to uh, episode 12. <laughs> for, for, yep. For, firm handshakes. Um, Cheeky five knuckle shuffle. Still making us giggle 18 months old. We, we've gotten older, James. We haven't gotten any wiser. <laughs> Absolutely not. Lots has changed. Yeah. It's so much. But right at the end of that episode, we, we sort of give a quick nod to, hey, things are getting a bit crazy. Yeah. So the last one was published on the 16th of March. Well, so Very that nice. was literally days before we went into lockdown. Yeah. Um, we've, we've all got war stories from, from the past... Uh, in the past 18 months, uh, past two years, that we, there's been a seismic shift in, in the way people work, not just software developers, not just, you know, not just the web. Um, everything, everything's changed. And no, no, no sign of things stopping, like, no. anytime soon. Things things are still evolving. So I'm, I'm so pleased that we, you know, we got back together and launching. It, it, I'm, do you know what I'm calling this? This is going to be episode zero, okay? Nice. Of our new season. Our new season of the podcast. We had season... Season one, yeah, twelve episodes, nice and round. When we do the DVD, it'll fit nicely onto the one disc. And then <laughs> this is the, the this is the intro. This is episode zero, season two, back better than ever. Nice, I'm like here it. to talk, uh, sling sling some salt. Yeah, always. <laughs> one thing I've thought about actually, they're called salted bites, and our shows are not bite sized at all, James. They're not. We should we should probably uh, trim trim the fat. As it were, as it were. Hey, you know, one thing in, in code in the time of COVID that I think is really important is getting out and doing some goddamn exercise. And I failed utterly. Yeah. Utterly, utterly, utterly. I've during, been much, much better in the last month or so. My kids, my youngest, I had a young, I had a COVID baby. 
and uh, she's finally started sleeping. So it means that I get I'm clawing back some of my uh, my time, <laughs> meaning I get to get up in the morning and go for a walk or go for a run, which is it's really nice. It didn't last night. She she woke. Oh no, really? She woke up in the middle of the night, and so I was up from four o'clock. Yeah, I was up from no three o'clock in the morning. I'm dude slightly tired. What? I was going to say congratulations on both fronts, but I guess <laughs> still still some more to come. But It's much hey, better than um, it was. Yeah. Believe no you me. No doubt. We did talk, we talked about that in one of our episodes, didn't we? Being a parent and being a developer. Like, could you put any more stress on your brain? I know. That's such a good episode. We, uh, yeah. we delve into some, uh, some touching subjects. Drop some truth bombs. Yeah. It's all about the fucks to give. That was how we. That's it. How that we, was it. Yeah, yeah, fucks to give. Oh man, this is trip down memory lane. This is. Hey, look on. This is assaulted by its podcast for anybody, any of the four listeners. We have, <laughs> anybody tuning in, we're gonna have we're gonna have some of the some of the the you know the sections that you know and love. Who's been hacked is kind of transmogrified, changed, just like everyone during COVID. It's now called Who's Fucked Up This Week. <laughs> <laughs> we've got some picks. Um, we've got a nice little, you know, the best the best stories we've we've just be- shamelessly nicked from the register. It's a classic salted bites episode. That's what that's what I think this is. Back once again, like renegade masters. Our main topic, yeah, code in the time of COVID. I mean, James, how have you found? Well, actually, hang on, hang on, hang on. Last time we spoke on this podcast. You had you had a new job. <laughs> <laughs> I did. So I was, and you do again. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm probably about the same way into this new job as I was into my previous job. Um, yeah, so I was working at Candide, and was there for about eighteen months, and then got offered a much better job. <laughs> I'm completely honest, uh, and went through the interview process. Forgotten how rough interviews can be. Uh, the can the breeder one was really nice. I did an interview for another company, and it was less good. Terrible tech test, which uh, I fluffed completely. Fluffed, got into my own head, and was just like, I just called it quits. I was like, we might as well just stop now. I'm not going to get any of these the rest of these questions right. <laughs> and uh, we're just like, let's just move on. If I failed, I failed. I still got the job, so it was. Uh, I think they valued my honesty, but yeah, it's a new job. Work for an agritech startup, which is pretty interesting, considering I'm vegan as well. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that's that was what I was going to bring up right away. <laughs> yeah, but they're they're all about environmental in improving the uh, the efficiency of of land of of cattle farmers and uh, mm. making them more efficient. And so it's kind of the reason the main reason I'm vegan is is because of environmental impact of the of the meat industry. So it's mm. kind of like fixing it from the inside so it's good awesome. it's really nice it's it feels like that's work with real world impact right? yeah 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 and um i really do feel like it's going to make a difference uh, already so the the our top our top performing farmers uh, have reduced their carbon footprint footprint by 28 percent, which is wow, no okay. sizable uh it's, it's pretty great and okay, considering how much they probably, sorry, yeah. they, uh, the cattle <laughs> probably <laughs> produce, that's that's not non, that's not nothing. That's yeah, exactly. It's pretty great. Uh, and through the app, they're also able to reduce the amount of medicine that they give. So generally, I think it's it's good on all fronts. Um, wow, it's nice being in a small startup again. Candide was definitely at the scale mm. up point and was uh, around a hundred people when I left. We're back down. I'm back down to about thirty at Breeder. A hundred people. Um, and only working mobile, which is a first for me and is really, really nice. Is it both iOS and Android? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's React Native. native. Yeah. Uh, React Native, uh, but with not a lot of native code. Uh, I'll get to rewrite Bluetooth. That's my next big, big piece of work. <laughs> uh, oh, just rewriting Bluetooth is no big deal. <laughs> well, rewriting the Bluetooth implementation in the, in the no, app. I know. I know. Um, so... <laughs> It's, that's going to be pretty exciting. I'm really, I'm looking forward to that. 
I tell you what, I do remember that fateful day when you introduced Gravity Well to React Native. Nice. <laughs> and you nearly got smashed out of the park by our tech director, who, yeah. who to, his, you know, to his credit, it very likely could have been just a Cordova, you know, false, yeah. false shell kind of thing. But you, you sort of dropped the mic and said, uh, actually, it's, uh, you know, compiles to native code. Thank you very much. And, uh, <laughs> and, and the legend was born. You won that contract? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. But that was that was quite a quite a tense moment. <laughs> it was, <laughs> but it's it's more than just like a. I mean, it's it's a cool story. But on the other hand, it changed so much. So it's changed so much. I mean, sure, you know, yeah. the, the company got that contract, but now you are kind of you know sitting on the castle you built with your own hands. I don't know what yeah. that, that metaphor, I don't know what that is. I just made that up. But I, you know, I know what you mean. Yeah, you know, you forged a career from not yeah. just that moment, but maybe because you, but you did get to work on a project that was React Native focused, right? That that was pivotal, if I'm yeah. completely honest. I learned so much from doing from that first really big project and working on it by myself and writing about 80,000 lines of React Native code <laughs> by myself. <laughs> uh, I learned an awful it. lot yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah learned an awful lot in those yeah. first six months. Uh, and then moving to Candide as well, that was like a big step change for me. Mm. was working on like, I don't know, the, the previous apps kind of felt Mickey Mouse in comparison. Wow. It was like, yeah. a real, like a real step up in, in quality of code, size of code base, like what it, the app was doing and like doing in a way that was performant and well-written. Uh, so I learned an awful lot of working at Candide. I guess though, like move, moving to moving to your new role, um, this happened during COVID, didn't it? This this was yeah, you know, yeah, not, yeah, not right, long yeah. ago. For five months. Yeah, exactly. So right, right, you know, <laughs> right in the thick of it. And I guess maybe um, from what I'm reading in you know industry press and anecdotally on Twitter and Reddit and all, all the places, is that there's a lot of mobility at the moment. Software engineers are hugely in demand. It's yeah. not even funny. It's not a meme anymore. It's <laughs> you know, wild. It's pretty insane because yeah. suddenly remote working and being able to do your job effectively remotely came straight under the microscope. And by all intents and purposes for software developers, uh, what's not to love? You know, you get to do your job in the comfort of your own home. So I, I realize that as, as soon as I'm saying this, I'm lucky enough to have a space, a dedicated space in which I can do this. Lots of people don't have that. And yeah, it can be a struggle to work from home. So I'm generalizing, of course. Um, I just want to put that caveat out there. But I think that if you zoom out for a second, you know, software engineers have kind of just suddenly realized that, well, hang on, we can work remotely, get that great work-life balance. And productivity arguments have just gone straight out of the window because if anything, I'd say I'm more productive working remotely. But then, hey, I was doing, hey, hey, hang on. I was working remotely before it was cool. Okay? Yes, you were. Yeah, you yeah. were. <laughs> but I would 100% have to agree. And that is, that's one of the reasons I, le I left my previous job was, was the... Uh, the 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 idea that we were being told that we'd have to go back to back to the office, and having just had a baby arrive and my yeah. wife being on maternity leave, I was at home, and the the connection I now have with my baby is so much stronger. I realised how much I missed with my first child because I was in the office all the time, and now I'm just a room away from my kids. If Ella needs has had a rough night and she needs to have a sleep, then I can take an hour and she can have a nap. And like just the 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 balance and like I, I feel that like this is gonna be like this for so many of these COVID babies. Yeah, they're gonna have the relationships they're gonna have with their fathers and like what it what it means to be a father is gonna completely change because before often the fathers were out in an office working while the mums were at home and now the family unit is together all the time and obviously it's not gonna work for everybody but I feel like me and Ella have become stronger through being together all the time than we would have been if if I was away. So now I'm like, I just, I can't ever see myself going back, to be honest. Totally agree. Um, I mean, that's awesome though, isn't it? Is this, this is not, I mean, if, if you were offered uh, an increase in pay, but you had to go back to the office, 
I, I struggled to work out personally how much mm. I would accept to, to break what we what I have going on right now, which is, as you say, connection with my family. I walk my kids to school every day. I pick them up for lunch. They come home for lunch. I mean, yeah. you know, I make them lunch and we, oh my gosh, I, I don't know how much money it would take. To, I don't think there is an amount of money that it would take no. to, to make me change would, this right now. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same. And as like, as with, with everything else in the job market at the moment, salaries are skyrocketing as well so you can they pretty are. much ask for whatever you want to as long as you have the skills that they require it's it's, oh, a, sure. it's a crazy crazy market at the moment and i think as we said before we live it we work in a knowledge game like mm. people are paying for our brains and if you've got that that knowledge then the, the sky really is the limit it's such a privilege i mean the thing is it's a really privileged position to be in that's the first thing yeah. to say there is no there's no amount of dressing this up it's an incredibly lucky well i mean lucky because the cards have fallen the way they have and the opportunities yeah. that we've had in life i'm not saying it's been easy sailing for either of us of course not you know everyone has you know their, their own their own story and their own challenges you know to deal with so it's not been plain sailing but on the other hand mm. we, we are benefiting from an incredible demand in skills that we are proficient in yeah now, Very much so. and I'm kind of not, not, this isn't, you know, backdoor brags or anything like that, or, if, <laughs> you know, this is, the, but it's, we're in this industry at a time when salaries are skyrocketing. And as you said, pe people are pretty much getting whatever they ask for. It's an incredibly interesting time to, to be a software developer because where, like, where, where do you want to take your career? You want to go DevOps? You want to go um, InfoSec? You want to just stay front end, you want to stay back end. None of these are less in less demand than the other. None yeah. of them are really, I mean, when you, when you start adding like seniority into the mix, you know, you do start to see the salaries bands kind of differentiate a little bit. But really, you can take your pick. It's not like you're leaving any money on the table by becoming a front-end developer anymore. In, in fact, no. <laughs> front-end front salaries are just going nuts at the minute, especially if you have yeah. that kind of UX uh, design angle and it's an, it's it's an incredible opportunity i think for lots of people who just happen to be interested in computers all of a sudden with covid if this was the prompt for them to actually make the career jump um, especially from people from you know um, uh, that wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to access you know salaries at these ridiculous mm. levels you know you can be self-taught in this industry I am. I, I certainly am. I don't have a computer science degree. <laughs> like, I'm, I, I don't have a degree at all. I have one A-level and I'm self-taught. And I have a one A-level and it's a D. So <laughs> I should have dropped out of school uh, when, I had the, when I had the chance. And uh, But yeah, no software, no degree and I have a good job. No, no degree, hashtag no regrets. Yeah, damn <laughs> straight. <laughs> I think a lot of, um, of, of what software development is about a lot of the time is results. Um, mm. If I took on an intern and they grew into a role and became a junior dev and then a midway dev and purely off the back of the skills, purely off of the results they delivered, that is a completely valid career path and that's completely awesome as well. Um, yeah. I really... It is interesting like to see that. how when I first started applying for jobs, the demand for a degree was you had to have a degree to get a job yeah, yeah. and just how that's changed. And there's still often still on, it's still on the, the, uh, what's expected, but then it's also or suitable experience mm. and, uh, giving that ability for people who have a suitable experience to get these better jobs is, is great. So, so the, the importance and opportunities for kind of software development roles has increased. And, you know, I think with, a remote first culture or remote centric culture lots of there's been lots of discussion on well hacker news there's <laughs> a fun place to spend an afternoon <laughs> um no seriously i mean there is some great discussion that goes on there um so one thing that i keep seeing pop up in these um, discussions about remote working and about how you can be a how you can do well as a software developer and do the right thing and be the best that you can be is really embracing the idea of asynchronous communication and sorry everyone but that does mean you have to write stuff down more so yeah. much more than you can get away with with sitting in a pod of people and just bouncing knowledge backwards and forwards and eventually writing it down at the end of the project right now 
asynchronous communication and writing shit down has become so important that if you don't do it, you are risking, to be honest, quite a lot. And so I'm not just talking about, um, uh, you know, documentation that goes alongside your code, because I all know we're writing that, aren't we, everyone? Documentation, yeah, for the yes. code, yeah. Um, but also everything that sits around the code, right? So, you know, the the um, getting set up in the project, not leaving that information in your head, but actually writing it down in the readme so that the person that comes after you or the new starter can get up to speed quickly and efficiently. Yeah. I've got a cool, I've got a cool little story here um, because I've embraced this idea and it's freaking awesome. And at the risk of sounding like a shill for a big company, <laughs> I'm not because they're not paying me, right? Microsoft, I've given you a lot of shit over the years. <laughs> okay, it's now time, okay, for us to bury the hatchet. Um, <laughs> so anyway, GitHub code spaces. Have you seen? Have you seen these? I've I've heard of them. I've not used them because it's, it's VS Code in the browser, isn't it? Pretty much. Sure. Or is that something? It's well. Consider the pro the the challenge problem challenge with um, the stack at landmark at the minute is that it's uh, a Docker container based development environment. That, that hey, that's a good mm -hmm. thing. All right, Docker is good. Don't have to be configuring this stuff on everyone's machines and dying a little bit inside every time. No, you can just spin up the Docker containers. Hey, that's a win. Uh, but is it? Because actually, in order to be able to do anything productive, you need a supercomputer to be able to really <laughs> run what we've got going on here. It's unreal the amount of memory you have to allocate. And even though the one of the kind of best things about Docker is, yeah, just spin it up and away you go. That is never the full story with <laughs> with the Docker configuration. It rarely is. Okay, so there's still a whole load of hoops to jump through. I sp I spent forty minutes reading up on Code Spaces. Mm. I added it to our project. I changed three lines of code, and they were just paths. You know, just mm. just to make sure that when I ran this in an environment that wasn't my machine, it knows where to find stuff. And we had the Docker container running then in a virtual machine in the cloud. And sure, VS Code was then able to connect to that secure workspace and have my code in front of me. So yeah, absolutely, James, you know, VS Code, but backed by these VMs running in the cloud, meaning it's not running on my machine. Oh, All of a sudden, I can cool. open other things. Trello, yeah. Slack, Chrome. <laughs> yeah. All of these RAM-intensive operations that were just kind of squeezed into whatever was left after Docker was running on my machine. Now, you might think, well, you kind of bought into that with the whole Docker situation. And I'd say, yeah, fair enough. You know, that's that that's exactly what we bought into. But on the other hand, offshoring this um, process into a VM just makes perfect sense because it's a dedicated separate um, com um, computing instance. It, mm. if, if it breaks over there, it also doesn't trash the rest of what I'm doing. And... It's um, sandboxed, and it means that anyone in my development team can be up and running in 15 minutes instead of, here we go, two days. That's very cool. Because it takes, I, I checked, it takes two days going from scratch to have a fully functioning working development environment because by the time you've configured everything, well, it's not even configured, by the time you've installed everything, configured it, run it, figured out what the problems for your particular use case are, gone back, yeah. started again. It's 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 absolutely unreal. I mean, okay, I might be saying two days for hyperbole here, but you know, 15 minutes versus many hours is just an absolute yeah. no-brainer. That's um, amazing. It well I did. I mean yeah. there's a there's a cost though associated with it. They cost money to run. And okay. I worked it out. What's the cost like? If you ran it eight till six for 20, 21 working days in a month, which is about mm. right. Uh, 100 bucks. Okay. So it's not like it, it's not nothing. But in the grand scheme of things. It's it's nothing in the grand scheme of things. Like it, yeah. if, I, if I could pay $100, $100 to yeah. not have to, whenever I onboard someone, not have to spend half my day fighting a configuration yeah. with them, would I pay that? Yes, I yeah. would. At Candide... To get the mobile app running, you had to run fifteen Docker containers on your machine. <laughs> it was 
fifteen. Quite incredible. Yeah, it was quite incredible. And we use so they had like a like a local orchestration uh, package called Navy. Okay. And that would have that would like manage all your uh, networking and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was yeah fifteen microservices all in good Docker containers. It was quite incredible. Fifteen. I mean, what was I? What, what, what were you doing at Gravity? Uh, not Gravity One. Uh, six, maybe four. No, yeah, five or six. Um, and the machine that because you can choose how big the VM is. So I chose an eight core, sixteen gig machine. I think so. That, that's that's what I was running, and my MacBook is. What is it? Six core, 32 gig. Yeah, but it's obviously running all this other stuff. So just by putting Docker over there in a 16 gig space, it ran swimmingly. In fact, actually, to start off with, I did choose the 32 core, 64 gigabyte RAM <laughs> because it was on a free trial and who's going to stop me kind of. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think uh, the, eight, the eight core, 16 gig was such a reasonable balance of performance and, and price and I costed it out to be yeah 100 bucks a month but uh, yeah so this this we were talking about this in the context of like writing stuff down and the focus on developer experience actually I think is only going to get um, greater and greater for, for, for different companies and initiatives like yeah code space and what have you I think we're just going to see that become more and more important to the to the point that we're going to have in bigger companies, you know, dedicated teams for developer experience stuff, because it really makes a difference. It adds so much value to the business. Um, well, if people are hiring so much at the minute, getting those new hires up to speed quickly, <laughs> you know, there's a business case for that, so. Yeah, definitely. When was the last time you cleaned your monitor? Did you see the propaganda that's, that was being put out to say, people want to go back to offices? No, I didn't. I didn't see this. It it was verging on satire and parody. It was, you know, it was like so bad. It was you, you were double checking the URL to make sure it wasn't like the Onion or something, you know. <laughs> and what I think, well, from my point of view, anyway, what was happening was lots of opinion pieces were being put into various publications, um, like you know, newspapers and magazines and stuff, saying stuff like. Oh, well, you need to give people the opportunity to go back to the office. What I think the problem with that argument is, is it's completely, um, it assumes a completely binary situation that everybody is, or everyone is either in the office or no one is, which was the case while everyone was on lockdown. Um, yeah. And so really, I think what these, these inflammatory articles, I think are basically trying to get the idea into everyone's heads that, okay, everyone's going back to the office, you better too. Whereas surely... The future of work has to be flexible first, not necessarily remote first, but surely it has to but be flexible you, first. Do you think the hybrid model actually works? And if it doesn't work, I think you need to kind of sit down and say, well, why doesn't it work? Why do you... Okay, I'm not talking about, obviously, retail or places <laughs> where you literally have to be there to do the job. I'm yeah. not talking about that. I'm talking about the knowledge economy renting your brain to the mm. man <laughs> and um, if you're if you have to be in a certain place to do your job okay why why do you have to be in a certain place to do that because that's where my co-workers are I mean you know despite all of the memes about zoom and teams and Microsoft meet being mm. you know being pretty they're, they're not great experiences I, I you know I completely agree on the other hand they do work for the most part you talk to yeah. people you still talk to people you still discuss things but, you can still have a meeting but isn't it like a terrible situation to be in where you you have a hybrid model and some people are in and some people are out and you just end up sitting on in Zoom anyway whether you're in the office or not that just seems completely pointless to me it could be it could absolutely be um, I just think that like if you are doing what I would call deep work, work that actually needs your brain, is mm. completely different to bouncing through meetings all day, replying to emails in like five seconds, and yeah. getting up from your desk, 
to go and you know talk shit with somebody a few pods over answering the phone you know that stuff you can do at home i think there's a big difference to i need to sit down and i need to write an algorithm or i need to sit down and i need to look through these 80,000 lines of code that james wrote and i need to find <laughs> i need to find a bug i think that work is completely different to you know hashtag office work which is let's let's answer some emails let's write an agenda let's yeah. Yeah. have a quick 5 minutes thinking about you know um, what we want to do for lunch later on like so much of office culture <laughs> Oh, believe, I have had plenty of office jobs. Don't get me started. I have lots of office jobs. Like the, the quantity is high. The quality, not so much. <laughs> yeah, sure, your boss wants you back in the office because they want you to be there so they can manage you. That's, that's yeah. the big thing here because that's their job. Your boss's job is to manage you. And if they yeah. can't hover over you with a lukewarm cup of coffee and ask you where yesterday's minutes are, that's them not doing their job and they're kind of adrift. So I, I, I think, and I think a lot of commentators and articles that have written this are kind of, you know, that a lot of people are cocking onto this, that there is actually a layer of management that only really needs to exist if you do go to back in the office. And for the most part, that level of oversight and management can be very much streamlined. I'm not saying you need to necessarily get away with it altogether. Hierarchies mm. and stuff are what they are. But I think it becomes much harder to justify that layer of management in a remote first situation. And I think that's where a lot of, um, a lot of this propaganda potentially is, is going to be fostered from. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you imagine how much money they'd save? Just sack off all those people. Not that I'm saying that they should do, because that's <laughs> that'd be rubbish, rubbish for everybody. But at the same time, like, let's save some money somewhere. Got to trim the fat, as I said earlier. I'm kind of, I'm not trying to dunk on people who've made a career out of managing software developers. That's because, hang mm. on, last I checked, I was... No, that's, what, that's what you do. Yeah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, are you expendable? Yeah, completely. <laughs> Utterly, 100%. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I think it's a very, it's a very interesting debate that I don't have all the answers to. But one thing that did rub me the wrong way was the very obvious, very hackneyed, very cringeworthy propaganda is what it was about saying, oh, everybody actually wants, in fact, wasn't it the UK, uh, one of the UK secretaries that was saying, oh yeah, people need to be allowed to get back to work. Uh, what's um, his name? He's got big yeah, ears. something. Uh, and the, the implication was that, oh, people are absolutely gagging to get back to, to yeah. the office. And I just, that just doesn't sit with me. I can't, maybe some people do, but for me personally, going back to, um, an office with the crap coffee, you, you, your desk that just isn't quite right because it's got the bockety drawer. Your monitor is, it's it's 21, it's 19 inches, if, if best. And you've only got one. You had to fight with IT to get the other one, but then they took it away <laughs> because you had a new start and they didn't have one working. So you said, okay, fine, as long as I get it back. Um, but you never got it back, okay? Because they kept it, the new start. They kept it, James. Sounds like you're describing somewhere we both worked. <laughs> I wasn't actually thinking that. I thought I was making it up, but now I realise I was just drawing from stuff that actually happened. Anyway, to be fair, I was being greedy. I had three monitors at that point. <laughs> I had three. It was a bit silly. It was a bit silly. <laughs> okay, well, code in the time of COVID. It's weird. It keeps changing, but if you're a software developer... It's pretty goddamn great. Propaganda is when a British person takes a good look at something. That's why I keep on telling all my friends, kids to learn to program. Mm. It's only going to get better. Do you know and what I did yesterday? What did you my do? son is unfortunately sprained his ankle and he's at home, so he's not at mm. school. Um, he had like a, an hour where he wasn't doing anything yesterday. Ooh, what did I do, James? I made him learn JavaScript. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's not, not? nice. Oh, yeah, I know. I can joke and say, oh, it's not a nice thing to do to somebody. But <laughs> <laughs> what is it? That meme that's like, you know, um, the string 11 plus 1 equals 111. 
but yeah. string 11 minus 1 equals 10 or something yeah. like I don't know. See, I've been doing this for 10 years and I don't even know what the bloody thing is. Um, anyway. We, di- we digress again. Again, that's all we do on this podcast. It should be salted yeah. tangents. <laughs> Who's fucked up this week? Well, I'll tell you who has fucked up this week. This is great. This is fresh, by the way. This happened today. When I when I read the story, it was five hours old. Now we are, yep, 2.13 a.m. on October the 1st, so right at the top of today. I read about this. A blockchain-powered, smart contract-based platform, distributed um, finance. Oh, God, there's so many buzzwords I don't even know anymore. It's called Compound, okay? It's a platform to let people buy and sell stuff on the blockchain. If that's wrong, it's because I haven't been bothered to read anything further about exactly what they do. It's what's happened that's faintly hilarious. So <laughs> they rolled out an upgrade last night, and that upgrade actually was just started giving out money to people for just performing transactions on the blockchain. That's kind of the idea of Compound. It's supposed to reward people using it, which is kind of a cool business model, I suppose. You know, reward people for um, holding the, 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 the coin or the value or whatever, and reward people for... Um, transacting, using it for, for moving it around. Kind of, I suppose, makes sense. Unfortunately, the upgrade they made actually was giving people like tens of thousands worth of this of this currency, up to millions worth of this currency, just for just for doing something on the platform. So if you if you transferred something to somebody, your fee for that turned out to be $27 million. Oops. I've written some pretty, you know, I've written janky code in my time, James. I Maybe you have too. Um, haven't we all? I don't think I've written something. Well, haven't we all? I don't think anybody. I don't think I've written something ever that um, <laughs> that's done something quite as amazing as this. Um, anyway, so like clear. Okay, let's not let's not kick them while they're down. They they made a mistake. They rolled out an update that basically <laughs> just started freely giving money to people. Okay, that's that's not great. It gets better though. The founder, uh, one of the founders, sent sent out at two o'clock in the morning uh, the following tweet. If you received a large incorrect amount of compound from the compound protocol error, please return it to this address, gives a long address, to the compound time block. Please return, please return that money, that comp, that that currency. Uh, Keep 10% as a white hat. How generous. Otherwise, it's being reported as income to the IRS, and most of you are doxxed. That's pretty low. So you gave everybody incorrectly a bunch of money. You want them to give it back, otherwise you're going to send the details to the IRS. That no. is not a good look. Um, some of the friend. some of the replies though are genius. There's one saying moments before <laughs> tweeting this, and he's smoking a crack pipe. <laughs> Amazing. It's so good. It's so good. And and other people are like slightly more so with slightly more sober responses. But like a good question. If your bank mistakenly deposits millions of dollars into your account and then rectifies it, yeah. is that counted as income? Mm, interesting. I mean I guess it's not because you eventually went back, but the point is, you know, you, you, your income for the month is gonna be like twenty million dollars. And so the taxman's going to look at that and say, yes, thank you very much. We'll have some. Even if later you've given it back, that's not how tax works. <laughs> at least not here in Spain. Anyway, Christ. <laughs> um, um, what was it? Yeah, so people who got 9 million, between 9 and 28 million in income yesterday. Um, lots of people are responding quite facetiously to this. Um, to be fair, actually, to Robert, uh, Robert Leshner, he then says... I'm just trying. I'm trying to do anything I can to help the community get back some of the the comp. And this was a boneheaded tweet slash approach. That's on me. That um, luckily the community is the community is much bigger. Yeah, community is much bigger and smarter than just me. <laughs> I appreciate your ridicule and support. And actually, that does quite a lot to save the kind of conversation there. I appreciate your ridicule and support is 
<laughs> Possibly one of the best climb down tweets I've ever seen. It is nuanced. It is taking responsibility and is quite funny. So, you know, far from, you know, who's fucked up this week? They definitely win the crown. But, you know, they, it, 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 the crown is heavy. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough burden. These are obviously people trying to do the right thing, even if it's faintly hilarious that they're asking people to get it. I... Come on, I mean, James, you just received twenty-eight million dollars, and you've been asked to give it, give, give it back. Um, you, you having done nothing wrong, by the way. Um, it's not like you robbed a bank, and now you know you've been asked to give it back and keep ten percent as a white house. I don't know. What would you do? What would you do? What would you do, James? That this is, is an ethical grey area. What would you do? I don't feel like I could not give it back, but I feel like I suppose ten percent of twenty-eight million is still quite a lot of money. <clears throat> yeah, that is still a pretty good payday, isn't it? For really not you, doing anything, and, and then, you pay fifty percent tax on that. You're still laughing, really. It money for basically not doing anything, isn't it? <laughs> right. Okay. Well, that's who fucked up this week, and um, a pretty pretty sizable fuck up. But there we go. You you fuck around. You push an update at two o'clock in the morning. You find out. There we go. <laughs> Salted picks. A choice selection of useful shit. Do you know what we should do, James? As a treat, we should do some picks. Yeah, it's my favourite bit. That's right. Why don't you kick us off, James? What's your one of your salted picks for this time? I love, I love a pick. So my salted picks, I've got three. First one. <laughs> First one. <laughs> so have you. <laughs> First one is uh, Realm. Realm? So the Realm, yeah. It's a on-device database for mobile apps. I'll just uh, click on the link you put in the show notes. Hang on a second. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's no link. All right, I'll do some Googling. That's what Google's for. It's owned by Mongo. It's like it's basically like a MongoDB on, on device. James, you know I love Mongo. Why didn't I know you say? Uh, it's pretty cool. We've started using it at, at Breeder because uh, we have to have the, the the app is off is offline so we have to be able to store up to upwards of 20,000 animals worth of data on the device and it be searchable and uh, filterable and realm realm is doing its thing it's very very cool why should we use this and not like sql light or whatever on so the issue with so there's nothing wrong with sql light at all um you're just being but, nice now in, Re- in React Native, uh, the the common common way to store uh, your Redux store is to use something called Redux Persist. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, and that uses SQLite in the background. Yes, it does. Um, but what it, what it does is it stringifies your whole store and places it in a single row in SQLite. Oh, so yeah. you're not using the features of it, features of SQLite. It's literally just storing it. And if you have an en- enormous uh, store like we do, because we have to store all these animals, it often crashes. And the RAM usage on when you're when you're serializing and stringing firing this data is unbelievable, like gigs of data, gigs of RAM on Android. So it's basically useless for our use cases. Like it's not what it's built for. So we, we don't expect it to do anything else. And this is what this uh, Realm is built for. It's, it is it's meant to be a, a, d- a database on the device, uh, written in C++, and then bindings for React Native. Oof, that is, um, yeah, lightning fast. It's fast, really guess, cool. Yeah. There's another one called SQL Delight, which is uh, written in Kotlin multi-platform. So it, it uh, produces binaries for iOS and Android, but there are no uh, bindings for React Native at the moment. Ah. So when that comes, that'll be pretty awesome, I think. Um, but we'll see. At the moment, Realm is pretty awesome. Uh, and they're, they're putting a lot of work. Since it was bought out by Mongo, they're, they're putting a lot of work into the uh, React Native mm. side of things, which is really nice. Oh, I see they got bought out. By okay. I mean, that does fit quite nicely in Mongo's kind of family portfolio. So that Yeah, it really does. Yep. Interesting. Great pick. So first. Yeah, great pick. All right. Just in case you you know hadn't had enough of databases. <laughs> my, my next pick is RxDB. Recently featured on Hacker News not once but twice for some reason. I'm not sure why. Um, RxDB, short for Reactive Database. 
Now, whenever I see the word reactive, I get a little bit giddy. Everybody knows how much I like Meteor and its reactivity. So when I started reading this, it was, well, I was just completely sold. It's a NoSQL database and you can use it for pretty much anything that's predominantly JavaScript. So, you know, Electron websites, PWAs and stuff. The great thing about it is you can get the, um, you can subscribe to state changes for mm. um, queries or even just single values. So it's it's kind of awesome. All of the good things that we like about Meteor or I like about Meteor <laughs> is you, you subscribe to a particular collection or query and whatever a change is made to that particular um, data set that you're querying, all of the changes immediately cascade throughout your UI and it gives you this really buttery smooth, awesome kind of real-time uh, real um, functionality, which is great. Now, RxDB kind of gives you all of the best bits of that paradigm, but it's you know just, just the database part of things. That's very cool. It kind of gets you, it doesn't really do like the WebSocket kind of things that Meteor has. It's really just about real-time queries on the database. But it mm. kind of have it has the um, using CouchDB and what is the other one? Oh, GraphQL. Yeah, great. So um, basically, when the server changes the data, your connected applications, all of your client applications, automatically stream the data to the client. So it, it kind of is, you know, very very similar to Meteor in the sense that it's data over the wire. That was one of the big things with Meteor that download everything you need um, template wise. Everything else coming mm. over the web sockets then is just data. And that gives you these really fast, um, real-time updates that, uh, that, that come down. Um, so RxDB is my pick, not least because I'm going to be using it as of Monday on, on a project and I'm getting, oh, nice. getting quite deep into it. But also, it's, it can support an offline-first uh, model um, nice. where cool. you can still... So basically, once you've got all of the data kind of you know, sitting locally in your local cache, it supports this idea of having, um, you know, still being able to query that data and rely on that data, even if your connection to the server is broken, which is kind of nice. That's very cool. That's a good pick. I'll have to have a little play with that. Nice, nice, nice. Right, back to you, James. What's your next pick? Next pick is a YouTube channel. What? Uh, cool, yeah. I can't remember the last Called... time you did something that wasn't a software library. I know, and it's not even a software-based channel either. What? Can you believe? I know. Is it? Called a group of uh, guys called the Corridor Crew. So they are a design and animation studio in the states who have a YouTube channel, and they have the two the two main like series I watch are um, where they get they get like a uh, a stuntman on, and they review stunts in films <laughs> to pick like the worst and the best. Uh, and they go really deep into what like what what makes the stunts really really good, uh, and they also do one about three D effects. So they have like a really high like top three D effects artist come in and they critique like the best and the worst visual effects in films. <gasps> it's really really interesting. It's, it's amazing. It's really amazing. We put Superman's mustache back. Oh, <laughs> into yeah, the they Justice do a lot of stuff with their. Oh. I already, right, where's the subscribe button? Hang on, there we go, done, subscribe. <laughs> Come on, that is amazing, putting the moustache back. I, I feel really like awesome. this is, James, thank you, this, this has given me hours of hours of things to, to, to watch. Now. And they release three or four videos a week. Uh, yeah, they're freaking awesome. Qua, great pick, awesome. Can't even remember what your first one. <laughs> <laughs> You're up, Chris. Uh, you got, right, back to me. The next one? Now, um, James, you know, this is our podcast. And if I can't plug my own shit on this podcast, then where can I plug it? That's my question to you. Exactly. During COVID. Plug, plug away. Yeah. Code in the time of COVID. One couple of things I made. I made I made some some NPM modules. Oh. Yeah. Um, Good names. Yeah. You have to explain the first name, okay. though. Okay. So... Well, if you'd been to my GitHub repo, James, and uh, starred or, you know, interacted with the project, it's got an explanation. Yeah, I'm pretty um, sure I did. Yeah, but you've now forgotten and you've hurt my feelings a little bit. So, um, sorry. Yeah. 
It was quite a long time ago when he released them. That is fair. Yeah, it was right. right yeah, <laughs> it was during lockdown. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I, I made two npm um, packages, cheeky little modules to do something. They were both excuses for me to learn how to build command line apps using Node. And there's a fantastic suite of existing modules, Commander being one and Inquirer are an absolute one-two punch for building amazing command line apps using Node because they let you build those kind of query, yes, no, select from a list interfaces that you see on command line apps that you know and love. And I, used to, I learned so much building these, it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. So the first one I built was called <laughs> Yeeta. <laughs> Can you explain the name? Yeah, so James, I, I know this is a bit beyond, you know, this, this may need some explaining to you. So to yeet something, is when you need to throw something with a bit of a devil may care attitude. So um, I might be in a swimming pool and I pick up my youngest son and I just yeet him a few, you know, a good few meters away into the water. He loves it, you know, um, it's, it's great fun. I have taken this phrase and I have used it as the name of my package that sends files to people. So it's a CLI wrapper for sharing files. Now this problem has been solved already. I know that. Okay, I I'm not. I'm not solving a problem here. I do not expect this to be used by anyone. <laughs> it's mainly a personal project, but what it does is you can, from the command line, once you've installed the module, you just type yeet, and you can then from that current the current directory that you're in, select a file, and hit enter, and what that will do is upload that file to a file hosting service called file.io. And that service is an ephemeral host, which means that the file will be deleted after a day. Nice. All I do is provide a wrapper, a command line wrapper for navigating your file system <clears throat> and providing options to control how you send the file, how long the file is available, and even emailing it to someone like directly. I had so much fun building this because it was a bunch of technologies I'd never used before. I built a command line app mm. and I integrated it with file.io and courier. And yeah, I had, I had great fun doing this. I also got to play with nice. Chalk, which is like a styling library for building like, you know, pretty and beautiful looking command line interfaces. And that was great fun too, you know, really going deep onto styling stuff and on the command line, you know, Felt really good, and I really enjoyed it. I like the logo. Um, second one is called Chonk. It's such a good name. It compresses. Um, <laughs> it compresses files in your current directory. Inspired by something called there was a movement called Let's Green the Web, which is about getting people to sort of wake up to how chunky their websites are. So I've made a quick tool that lets you scan your current directory for any file bigger than 100 kilobyte. Because if it's bigger than that, what are you doing with it? Like there probably needs to be a very, very good reason why it's bigger than 100K. It, that limit is completely arbitrary. And I was gonna add some options to increase it or decrease it based on your preferences. But hey, this is a weekend project. I haven't done that yet. Um, it only takes care of JPEGs and PNGs because you know, SVGs are complex and they're probably small enough anyway. Basically, it's quite cool. What it does, it goes through your current directory, finds every single JPEG and PNG and compresses it and tells you how much um, you saved, how much um, file, like, uh, how, bit, how big a file size you reduced it by. Nice. I like it. I love the name. Where's the TypeScript? It's what? It's not written in TypeScript. What's going on? Sorry, TypeScript? What's that? <laughs> I'm just looking I'm on, I'm on the repo and it's just all yellow 100% JavaScript 100% James 100% JavaScript where is the TypeScript just as God intended come on Chris uh, do you know James most lots of people are moving away from, from TypeScript none of that yeah, I know. I'm just. Have you looked at looked at any job job uh, applications? I, I am. I am. I'm fucking with you completely here. I think two projects that I know <laughs> of are doing it because of their very specific use cases. But I said to myself, I'm going to mention this to James. <laughs> Where did you design these logos as well? They're awesome. 
You know, do you remember way back when, when I made all the team at Gravity Well some logos? Yeah, yeah, I've still got mine. Yeah, yeah. Um, yours is the bear one, isn't it? Yeah, bear with the keyboard. Luke Baker's was a baker holding a cock. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure why. Um, um, no, I use that that logo maker. It's called logomaker.com. Very um, cool. That's what I use for all of my ship. Like that is a chunky. That is a chunky cat, isn't it? I think that was that was. I didn't draw that. I found that somewhere. I don't know. Anyway, look. Hey, look. We've talked enough about my nonsense NPM packages. Hey, if you do want to go and check them out, star them on on GitHub. Tell me how I got them completely wrong. Please do because I use them as a learning exercise, and you know, getting feedback on stuff is a great way to learn. So, go ahead. Damn right. James, okay, last one takes away. It's a packet. It's an NPM package. There we go. So, uh, I don't know whether you noticed, but I rewrote our website and added a sleek new uh, audio player to it, which is like an always like on SoundCloud. You click on an episode, and it's like an always showing uh, player, so you can like navigate the website and still listen to the podcasts. Which I thought was pretty dope. Amazing. And the pack, the package I use for that is called React Jinky, maybe or Jink Music Player, and it is fucking awesome. Really, really, really good. That is. So I am. That's my plug. I think I use that. Oh, that is spooky as hell. I think I used this in a project for Everything Is Music that I did in a campaign. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's React. Because our front end stack is React. And I yeah. was just like, yeah, this looks all right. <laughs> yeah, That's it's amazing. Really, it's really cool. That is really funny. We just both came at it from saying, yeah, yeah, this is it. Oh, awesome. Yes. Good work. So now the, the website is now written in Next.js with Tailwind. Dude. And I, I didn't even notice the difference. And that, wow, that is the work of a true master there. <laughs> awesome stuff. Okay, right. Um, if you haven't put any any bullshit in the um, in the in the source code, I'm going to be really just. Dis- oh, you minified it. That's so boring, James. Where's right, the shit? Right. Where's optimizing, the shit posting? Optimizing it. Oh, James. <laughs> and server rendered, isn't it? Because it's uh, yeah. It's next. next. Yeah, yeah. It's next. Oh, so many opportunities. Oh. Well, James, I think this is awesome. Wow. Good good shout, James. Good pick. Good pick. And good work on the website. What's your final pick? That was it, mate. You said I have three. I don't know what you're talking about. You do have three. No, this and is... finally... Ah, well, this was just like a, a little a little fun story to sign off on. Um, oh, sorry. Have I, have I spoiled it? Yeah, you, you, completely, ruined, you completely ruined it, James. Uh, that's the entire It's bloody now. funny, though, isn't it? It's so good. Um... <laughs> at the height of the, um, at, at the height of the petrol crisis currently sweeping, uh, currently sweeping the British Isles, um, queues for petrol for, for hours and hours, people not being able to get places. Yeah, it's, you know, it's pretty pretty serious business, and uh, lots of people frustrated and angry. Um, maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel. I saw in the news today, but that doesn't stop this utter legend from riding a horse into a petrol forecourt chanting, I don't need petrol, um, saying that because his horse runs on carrots, he doesn't need petrol and sticking it to the queues of people who are queuing up outside the shell in Bromsey or wherever the hell. Um, Amazing. We'll put the link in the show notes. It's one of the funniest things I've seen all year. Um, Same guy did it on a bicycle day before as well. Oh, did he? Oh, even better. Yeah. Legend. That was my final, that, that, was, that was my way to sign off the episode. A guy riding a horse into a petrol fork. <laughs> Love it. So, hey. Chris, we, we failed again to keep it short. Yeah, we did. But we've, we've been gone so long. We had a lot of catching up to Look, do, James. A lot of things to did. talk about, we didn't did. we? There will be more, we promise. That's right. Hey, for Salted Bites, um, this is episode zero of uh, Geist. Let's call it season two, because why the hell not? We have got some awesome guests queued up to kick off the new season properly. Um, 
they're people um, I've known for a while. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil it now because they are. Um, uh, let's introduce them properly in the next episode. But we're going to be talking about that thorny subject, getting a job in tech. And we're going to have a couple of guests on that really have the inside track on <laughs> how to get a job in tech. They used to run a coding bootcamp and have a hell of a lot of insights into uh, you know getting getting that first first elusive <laughs> sometimes job as a software developer. So yeah, lots of really interesting stuff and more guests to come as well. I think season two, we are really going to double down on getting people from the industry to come and uh, come back on the show. Hopefully some people who've been on before that we had really good episodes with and some new guests too. Awesome source. Sounds grand. It does indeed. Fantastic. All right. Um, That's all we've got this time for Salted Bites, but we're excited to be back. And better than ever. Always. Take it easy, guys. Remember, you can find articles, videos, and our latest podcasts at saltedbites.rocks.